Feeling seven up, I'm feeling seven up. Feeling seven up, I'm feeling seven up. It's a crisp, refreshing feeling, crystal clear and light. America's drinking seven up, and it sure feels right. Kevin, stop singing, seven man. Seven. Huh? I was a singing guy. I'm standing right next to you, and you're fucking singing. Cut it out. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see and dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Seven up, I'm feeling seven up. Oh no, stop singing. <laughs> hey, it's your old pal Steve Spears from TampaBay.com. And with me, my best friend, Kathy Wass. Hello, everyone. And I gotta say, I'm a little intimidated today here on Stuck in the 80s. Uh-oh. We're gonna talk about Repo Man. And it's only the show that everyone has been requesting since we started this podcast two years ago. I shall not cause harm to any vehicle nor the personal contents thereof, nor through inaction let that vehicle or the personal contents thereof come to harm. It's what I call the repo code, kid. Don't forget it. Etch it in your brain. Not many people got a code to live by anymore. Oh, now I feel the pressure. And it is a monumental film of the 80s, dare I say? I believe, not just the 80s, I believe it's named like number seven cult film of all time. It is the number seven cult, as as ranked by Entertainment Weekly. So it's it's an imposing topic for one, you know, one show. In case you're wondering, number one on that list, Spinal Tap from 1984. And uh, number two, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Wow, good company. And if you're you're really curious, because I always am. The other 80s movies that are on the list of the top 50 cult films of all time are Scarface, oh, yeah. Blade Runner, Brazil. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Evil Dead 2. Here's one for you, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Aww. Another one we won't get to before you leave. Aww. Sorry. Akira and the Toxic Avenger. So Was the, Blue Velvet on there? No. <gasps> Strange. Blasphemy. i put that on there and take Pee-wee's off because I don't really Aww. consider Pee-wee to be a cult film. <laughs> My mistake. But anyway, we we dive we we, uh, we digress already. Already, and uh, we don't even have Sean here to do that for us. <laughs> I know, We're but not... we will hear from him later. Yes. The uh, Repo Man is the 1984 movie written and directed by our good buddy Alex Cox. Yes, also did Sid and Nancy, right? Which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yep. He uh, also uh, wrote the screenplay for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, oh. which is one of my all-time favorite books, no question about it. Oh yeah. And uh, a very, very demented movie, which, is, of course, as well it should be. As well. So um, who wants to take us through the plot? Do you want to take us through the plot, or do you want me to do it? Well, I could take a plot up. I could take it to a certain point, and then, you know, it just kind of... Here's the, Yeah. Here's that's the, the problem. <laughs> here's the problem with this movie. Every time I saw it in the 80s, I'm sure I was drinking. Okay. And, and I'm not sure I was drinking a little. I'm sure I was ah. drinking a lot. So when I watched it the other week for the first time in 20 years, 
everything that happens after about the 45 minute point was completely new to me. <laughs> Because nobody in their right mind ever queued this movie up until like 12.30 at oh, night. Oh, it's true. The movie makes no sense at 6 o'clock in the afternoon. No, it doesn't. So. so st- uh, now, it is obviously about a repo man. Um, I believe Alex Cox was a repo man at one point and drew from his own experiences. This is true. So the beginning of the movie, sort of Otto falling into becoming a repo man. And Otto played by the great Emilio Estevez. Yes, and so young. Uh, yeah, he's got that little buzz cut. I know. I wish my so, buzz cut could look like his buzz cut, but it doesn't look anything like it. He was so cute in that movie. I got to think this is one of his best movies. It, yeah, I agree. I agree. Totally wipes out the foulness that was St. Emily's Fire. Yeah. And then, of course, starring, co-starring with him, the... Wonderful. Harry Dean Stanton. Also his best movie, I would say, of the 80s. Yeah. But you realize he's made like, I don't know, 2,000 <laughs> movies now already. I don't even want to go through the list of movies he made in I the know. 80s. But this has got to be towards stop. He has all the yeah. great lines in this movie. Wow, that was intense. Repo man's always intense. Come on, let's go get a drink. <laughs> and, and I can't believe, I don't know if, if Emilio and, and Stan ever worked again together. But they, they had a real good chemistry they going. They did. They did. So anyway, Otto, I don't know. I don't think he got along with Alex Cox, but I don't necessarily think that Emilio Estevez and he had a problem. But, right. But um, so then all of a sudden, though, about halfway through the movie, it's no longer about being a repo man, but um, about them chasing this car with some sort of alien life form in it. Right. And... Uh, I think that's the part I didn't remember the most when I was watching it again. I mean, I remember, okay, he becomes a repo man. Yeah. And they're stealing cars and drinking generic beer and eating generic food. food. Then I totally forgot about the whole. In fact, fact, I was watching going, I know there's a glowing from the trunk. Yeah. And I couldn't remember what it was from until I saw it again. That's sad. That's when the mind Do you know how they used the, the special effects for that? They use just like glow in the dark paint. That's what they use. Yes. Jeez. Hey, in case you don't own this already on DVD, and I bet many of you don't, it just came. A special edition of it just came out. Yeah. I think within the last couple of years, a special twenty twentieth anniversary, twenty something like it that. It came out in like two thousand after. I mean, maybe it was the twentieth edition, but it it came out after. Because the interview I saw with Harry Dean Stanton came out in 2005. Right. It's got a commentary so. with just about everybody that appeared yeah. in, in the movie. And and it's got an interview with Harry Dean Stanton. Which is insane. It is. It's worth it just for that. He, Harry Dean Stanton, you can't tell, are you just, are you drunk? Do you have Alzheimer's? Are you a genius or are you a prick or all of the above? You just can't really tell. I'm going to go with all of the above. All of the above. He talks about not uh, only briefly about the movie at some point, which is where you kind of get the idea that he didn't really like Alex Cox. He he talks about the fact that basically he's worked with every great director there's ever been. He's worked with I, I didn't realize Hitchcock, but Hitchcock, John Huston, Coppola, Scorsese, and then the the interviewer asked, well, did you ever work with someone who, like a director that didn't know what they were doing, but yet the movie still came out okay? And he goes, well, yeah, Alex Cox. <laughs> and oh, you're like, no. And you're like, is he joking? Is he being, that, the whole interview, you don't know if he's being serious or he's just messing with you. And the whole time, he's telling the guy, 
you just don't get what I'm saying, do you? And he's talking about like all of a sudden the movie, and then he's talking about nihilism, and then he's talking about Eastern philosophy, and then he's talking about Marlon Brando, and you're just like, where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> I wish I'd seen that. that it's really awesome. It's awesome. I'm borrowing that from you as soon as we get okay. out of here today. Yep. Do you have a favorite scene from this movie? That- I I I mean I have a couple favorite scenes, but I gotta say probably one of my favorite scenes is. When Harry Dean Stanton goes into with with um, Otto with Emilio, and they go into the convenience store, and he's telling him about how nothing phases him anymore. He doesn't give shit about guns or any of that. And they're checking out, and they don't even realize that the store's been robbed. <laughs> oh, that's a great scene. Let's listen to that again. Tense situations, kids get in five or six of them a day, don't mean shit anymore. I mean, I've seen men stabbed, it means shit. Yeah, I've seen guns, guns too, they don't mean shit. But that's when you gotta watch yourself. Here, I'll handle it, pal. Try to settle down. <laughs> okay. Have a nice day. No, night. Night, day, doesn't mean shit. Wasn't that Otto? Otto who? Oh man, I just realized that's kind of a visual ending. <laughs> exactly. So at the end, the envision them leaving the convenience store, and then all of Otto's punk friends creep up from behind the counter, and the guy's being robbed. So there you go. My favorite envision. scene. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a visual movie. You know, the sound quality I didn't think was all that good when I was watching it again. No. Some of the punchlines get buried in the uh, editing. yeah, but um. My favorite scene comes real early in the movie, and it sort of sets up the whole reason why Otto becomes a Repo Man in the first place. And that's he goes to his parents, who are sitting in front, vegging out in front of the television set, looking like a couple of hippies, yeah, watching some televangelists yeah. talking about how uh, is he talking about how God is a spaceship or God is a time machine or something? <laughs> something like, it's something like ridiculous that, like that. Is, I'm yeah. totally zoning out at this point, but he decides that you know he wants to take his parents up on the offer they'd offered him a thousand dollars if he'd uh, graduate high school. But uh, they have to break the bad news to him, and this is kind of how it goes. Well, you know something? You were right about finishing school. That's that's what I'd like to do. But um, I want to know if I can have the money first. Like now. You know, I really love you, Dad. I've always loved you. You too, Mom. What do you say? I don't have it anymore. What? Your father gave all our extra money to the Reverend's telephone, Otto. We're sending Bibles to El Salvador. Ouch. Ouch. Poor Otto. So Poor Otto, Otto. Become, so Otto does become the, the yeah. repo man. Oh, now, too, in one of the deleted scenes that you see in the special edition, what you don't realize, too, is that Otto, is, he, you can tell from the movie he's living at home, but apparently he's sleeping in the garage on the floor next to this car that's on blocks. <laughs> God. And you're just like, what? You can't even have a room for him anymore. It's just sad. It is sad. That that's hence the life of a punk rocker. This has got to be, unless I'm wrong, probably the first movie of the '80s that I can think of off the top of my head that involves so much punk rock yeah. as part of the plot. Oh, right? I know, I know. And I think even when they came out with the soundtrack, I think a lot of them were talking about the fact that it was one of the first punk rock soundtracks, soundtracks. there ever was. But great soundtrack. It is a great soundtrack. And we're going to talk about it here in a minute. Yeah. First, let's go into some of the trivia about this movie because there's so much. So much. You could write a movie about the trivia. About, about the, the trivia. Movie. Number one, and most people already know this, all the Reaper men are named after beer. Yes. Because you've got Bud. Bud, Miller. Light and Ollie. Light and Ollie. 
All the vehicles. <laughs> All the vehicles have pine tree air freshness. Yes, in them. even the motorcycle. Right. And um, that's a result of the company that made those air fresheners was actually a sponsor of the movie. Oh, oh! They paid about a hundred thousand dollars, I think, for the, to have that. All the air fresheners had no scent in in reality. Oh, in reality. But uh, but that was um, one of the first kind of product oh, placement. Product placement, see? Yeah, which would become so popular the following year with Back to the Future. Oh, exactly. So. And uh, speaking of the uh, man, Dennis Hopper was actually considered for the role of Bud. Oh, mommy, mommy! He would have been. Uh, he would have been great. But I think that was. was I don't. I. I, I, I love it? Harry Dean in it, but wow. But the, I think wasn't that about the time that Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two came out? Wasn't that about the same yeah, time? And Dennis same. Hopper was. Uh, he had some issues. Of it. If you think Terry Dean Stanton had some yeah. issues, there. This would let's put it this way: it was before he. Um, this would have been eighty four. Blue Velvet was what eighty six, and yeah. that was his first movie sober. Right. So yeah, there was probably some issues. He there. was tearing up Hollywood at that point. So that's fine, and I think <laughs> I would love to see it made with. Uh, him I could see him as the. Uh, Guy driving the car. Though. Oh, you know, when that been bad, I think that would have even been better. Yeah, that would have been really good. The guy who's actually driving the car is Fox Harris, who actually did not know how to drive a car. Oh, well, it, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they didn't even need a stunt driver. They did have a stunt driver for any time you actually saw it. It was not him driving the car. Wow. But uh, the um, there's a ton of cameos in this. I know, and um, and I bet you everybody. Tell them the obvious ones. I'm going to spring the surprise one on them. Okay. Well, number one, the director himself, Alex Cox, is uh, sitting on a bench um, watching the Rodriguez brothers steal a car at one point. Oh. The producer. Yeah, is the car wash guy, isn't he? Uh, Michael Nesmith from The Monkees. Oh, well, yeah. Was the, was, the, was the producer here and or the executive producer. Executive producer. And uh, you see him on TV in That's the Repo right. Man office in an, in an ad for Art Remnants. Which is a segment from his um, 1981 movie Elephant Parts, and I can't believe oh. that Elephant Parts wouldn't be on the top 50 cult movies because huh. that's certainly more worthy than yeah. uh, Toxic Avenger and Akira. But yeah, but that's it. One of the um, one of the other producers is the car wash guy, and I can't remember which uh, one anymore. Sorry, I know. But uh, oh. let's talk about. Oh, but wait. Oh the yeah, surprise. the ultimate, the ultimate, the ultimate cameo. cameo, which of course I didn't realize until I'm reading the credits at the end, which they're kind of weird. They're he, he does the backwards credits as well. They roll up instead of down. But one of the FBI agents, or they call them the blonde agents, because they're all blonde. They're all blonde. Was Jimmy Buffett. The Jimmy Buffett? Yes, because I looked it up after I watched it, and I said, is this really Jimmy Buffett? Sure enough, it is. That's and, bizarre. And he was blonde, and he did have hair back then. So. <laughs> he doesn't Who anymore. knew? Not anymore. But yeah, Jimmy Buffett has a cameo in Repo Man. Wasting away again in Margarita Searching for my lost sugar uh, wasted away, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Margaret. You would have had to have been to agree to appear in this movie, Jimmy. Oh, hey, let's talk about the themes of this movie because there's a couple ongoing or yeah. recurring themes. One of which is the um, the glow from the back of the Chevy Malibu. Yes, and uh, if you're a real f- film fan, you probably kind of realize that's sort of an 
a bit of an homage to uh, the mysterious box in the film Kiss Me Deadly from yes. 1955. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the same thing uh, happens again in uh, Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction. Yeah, exactly. Which you never really know what's in that. But in at that. least this supposedly are decomposing dead aliens. aliens. And then there's Perhaps. the other, and then there's the other th- recurring thing, which is what the plates of shrimp. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say like plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp out of the blue, no explanation, no point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. And sure enough, later on, apparently, oh, when um. When the car gets stolen in front of the diner or whatever, it's advertising. It's advertised plate of shrimp. Plate of shrimp. And apparently, the picture of the aliens that Lay- Layla has is supposed to look like a plate of shrimp. <laughs> but, but what it actually is is two uh, condoms filled with yes. water. And I, <laughs> with a hula, like hula skirts or something, little grass skirts. You know, it's kind of amusing, and I, I'm not kidding about this. I watched this movie last week. With um, Dave Morrison, who used to produce the show, uh, Stuck in the 80s Force. And, and what did I serve as an appetizer that night? Shrimp. Plato shrimp. On purpose? No. Oh, my God. See? See? Miller was right. Just totally happened wow. that way. Bizarre. Wow. I think so. So Now, one of the other themes, I think, I don't know if it's, if it's Alex Cox himself, but there seems to be a little anti-religion going on in the movie. You have obviously the televangelist who, you know, takes Otto's family's money, and I think at one point he says, "I want your money because God wants me to have your money." <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Light tells Otto that he needs to read this book because it's going to change his life, and it's uh, Diuretics, which is obviously now you realize a play on Dianetics Dianetics. by L. Ron Hubbard but around this time I don't think a lot of people outside of our area would even know what Scientology was. In case case you don't realize it um, Pinellas County and Tampa Bay area where we do the podcast from is home. Home. The spiritual headquarters. The spiritual headquarters of Scientology is indeed in this uh, area Area in Clearwater. Clearwater. About uh, 10 minutes uh, drive north from where we are right now. Spooky? I think so. Yes. The scintillating notes of the reader mailbag. <laughs> scintillating? I don't know. But, I uh, don't know. Notes? I think I'm sure it's, of. It's raucous. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for You're reliving that. Reliving that moment of... I don't pronounce so well. That's okay, though. I know. Hey, anyway, this is the segment where we read an uh, email that's been sent to us from some of our listeners. This week's email is from Matt in Denver. Matt says... I would guess that not many that many listeners got the June 18th mystery tune. If not, I'm sure it's Listen Like Thieves by In Excess from the album of the same name from 1985. Yes, you were right. That was it. Yes. And not a whole lot of people got it, but a few people did. Oh. Some people thought it was The Fix, Saved, oh. saved by Zero, which, you know, kind of sounded like I, it. Yeah, I could see that. that same... Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he goes on to say, The song reminds me of my job at McDonald's. I was on the opening crew, and the manager would blast the entire tape almost every morning while we got ready. Hearing music that loud, that early, burned every note into my brain. (laughs) Whenever I hear that song off that album, I instantly recall burnt orange polyester uniforms, biscuit dough, and 5 a.m. Oh. I'm so sorry. Wow. 
Thanks. You, there's certain smells that remind you of that time as well, I'm sure. Uh, I worked at McDonald's actually back in the 80s, and the, every time uh, I think of it, all I smell is McRibs. <gasps> McGristle. Oh, nasty. Wow. If I told you how those were made. Eesh. Wow, but I totally can sympathize with Matt because when I was in college, I worked a summer at the movie theater, and it was when Robin Hood came out. The one with Kevin Costner? The one with Kevin Costner, yes. And we played the soundtrack continuously, which was fine because it was instrumental, except for one song. What the? Brian Adams. Adams. And you, that's when all of a sudden you would hear that, and you hear it, you would hear it at least six times a, a oh, shift. Oh, God. I, I, I still get like cold sweats from it. Cold sweats, nothing, man. I think my bowels just clenched up. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Matt continues. He says, thanks for the show. I especially love the movie discussions. Well, that's what we're having oh, today. Oh, good. I would love to have heard a show on Can't Buy Me Love. Oh. A personal a favorite 80s flicks of mine. Yeah. Not only one of Patrick Dempsey's first films, but it has a very young Seth Green playing his brother. Oh, that's right. And he says, a Pogue show would also be appreciated. Thanks again, oh, Matt yeah. in Denver. Oh, great cool. letter. Thanks, Matt. I love Can't Buy Me Love. I do, too. It's definitely... Um, I like that, and I like, um, what's the other really great um, Patrick Dempsey movie? The one where he's uh, the pizza salesman. Oh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Lover Boy. That's, That's it. it. That's it. Lover Boy. Lover Boy is another great one. 1989. That's another great one of his movies. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do one of those shows yeah. eventually. That's, those are good suggestions. Thanks for the, uh, for the Anyone that wants to send us a uh, letter for reader mail bag, the address is stuck in the 80s at Tampa Bay. Dot com. Aha, my favorite time. Name that 80s tune. Oh, the mystical sounds. The mystical like. sounds. Anyway, it's been so long since we've done one, and we're recording so many shows in advance these days, I can't tell you what we actually did last episode. But it doesn't matter, because you all know by now what the answer is, because we're making them too easy these days. But this week... We should be a little harder. It's I think. a little harder. I'm going to make it difficult. I'm going to. I'm going to say that I'm going to give you the genre. This is a punk rock song from the '80s. A little homage a to Repo Man. Homage to Repo Man. But it is a song that is not on the soundtrack. So if you're ready, here's your clip. Ouch! Sounds like every punk rock song from the '80s. <laughs> there, there's that. It is indeed only one though, and um, if you know the name of the artist. And the song, email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. And we'll let you know if you're a wiener. Hey, Steve. It's uh, your pal Doug uh, up in Albany, New York. And I just wanted to let you know I'm still waiting for that Devo podcast. And until then, I'm going to be stuck in the 80s. It just doesn't work out. Everything I do and everything I try, it never turns out. It's like... Ah, brilliant message from Doug in Albany. I actually, this is no coincidence, um, I did email Devo today, and um, we will see if we can get one of them for an interview. That's definitely a good show idea. That would be so cool. Big fan of Devo. Yes. Speaking of music, you cannot talk about Repo Man without talking about the music, and we saved it for last. Yes. This is easily one of the most kick-ass soundtracks of the 80s. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to say right now, favorite song on it, Institutionalized by Suicidal Uh, Tendencies. Don't even tell me that was your pick. Well, I love that song. My friend, my best friend in high school and I, Beth, used to go around quoting the... But mom, all I want is a 
was a Pepsi. All I want is a Pepsi. And she wouldn't give it to me. All I wanted was a Pepsi. Just one Pepsi. And she wouldn't give it to me. Just a Pepsi. But you know what my favorite song is on here? What's that? Oh, uh, I know what you're going to say. You're going you're gonna to trump my ass with this one. I'm going to say Pablo Picasso. Because he was never called oh. an ass. Oh, uh, I love let's, it. Let's cue it up. Now the girls will turn the color of an avocado when he drive down the street in his El Dorado. Why he was only five foot three, the girls could not resist his stare. Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole. Ah, brilliant. Brilliant. Wasn't that song originally, though, done by Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers? I want to say it was. Was and on this before soundtrack, or after? I don't. I don't know. On this on this soundtrack, it's performed by the Burning Sensations, Burning Sensations which is a great name for a band. I think they're just covering it. I think it's a Jonathan Richmond song. Okay. But I could be wrong. The other great songs, if uh, we had to name one, I would have to say easily by the Black Flag classic TV Party. I know, and you know what? After watching this and like getting ready for this and the. Uh, that song's been in my head now for about four days. Well, now, I can't get it out. Oh, well, now it's going to be in your head for another four days because here it comes again. <laughs> I don't think you actually hear that song in the movie. Otto sings it when he's walking down the road. Yes. Yeah. But I don't know that you actually hear it. I don't know it. if you hear it. Let's yeah. talk about the circle jerks for a second because they're a really big part of this band and yes. there's a little bit of irony or um, fate as or it would fate. be. Yeah. Xander Schloss, who plays Kevin the Nerd. Kevin. The I know. He um he went up to the circle jerks during the making of the movie and said, Hey, I'm I'm Xander, I play Kevin the Nerd and they kinda of looked at him and just basically said, So what? So and he kind of marched away, and he, he sort of had his feelings hurt. Kind of ironic, because he would actually end up joining the band. <laughs> and I believe he played with them for about 12 years. Wow. And technically speaking, I think he's still with them, because I think they still kind of get together every once in a while, do like a reunion show here or there, and then they, you know, kind of... I mean, they're all getting on in age now, yeah. as, as we all are. As we all are. And um, so... But that's, that's kind of interesting, that he would yeah. actually... Um, to do that and they play I think they appear twice on the scene yeah I love the scene where they become the when they're the lounge act oh god what song are they playing for that um I knew you were gonna ask me that sorry well let's play this song anyway because this is my favorite in a sluggish economy inflation recession hits the land of the free standing unemployment lines Blame the government for hard times. We just get by however we can. We all got a duck when the shit hits the fan. 
That's the song they play, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yes, go, that's see? what it was. See, because at this point of this movie, we're all kind of like, uh, oh, and I, but Otto, but Otto goes, I can't believe I used to like this band. I still like that band. I wouldn't say they're my top punk rock band. I used to really like Suicidal Tendencies. I always liked Dead Kennedys. Yeah, I know. But um, this was a Buck this Buck. was a must have um, CD, CD or or back then record. Yeah, and you still I own had it on vinyl. You had it on vinyl. You still yeah. own it on CD because I'm holding it in my yes. chubby little fingers as I, we speak. I was like, oh, I have that at home. Let me pick it up. But um, classic soundtrack. The um, in case you're wondering, it's Iggy Pop who performs the yes. uh, intro music. That you heard yes, at the beginning of the podcast. in the beginning, and then, yep. But um, to end the podcast, I can think of no other better music than um, one of the little hidden gems. Oh, yes. But um, the Spanish version of Secret Agent Japan. Man by I the love Plugs. It. I love it. So enjoy the music. Go out there and rent the movie again. Check it out. We love it. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, until then, we will remain here, along with Otto, Bud, Ali, Light, and Kathy, <laughs> stuck in the 80s. Ciao. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.